Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have a great show for you this evening. We have Tom King out in Phoenix. He's going to be talking about the Phoenix Lights and a lot more. He started doing Skywatches just a year before the Phoenix Lights events happened. He was there. He witnessed it. Um, and there's still a lot going on. Uh, he's very interesting. He was on the show. He called in on the show once, and after I had him on the show for a little while, I said, that guy needs to come on the show. And here he is. And uh, also, I want to say happy uh, International Women's Day to all the women out there every March 8th. So uh, we uh, we adore you women and thank you for all you do every day of the year. Uh, the conflict in Ukraine, of course, is crushing. I did a show on that with um, a, a Russian uh, gentleman that I know, a great guy that's up on YouTube if you haven't caught it yet. I also put the audio in the audio feed because I think it's an important show. There's nothing that we can really have against the Russian people. It's not them. It's one person. And uh, that's what we go into on this. And um, I love the Russian people. Um, I've been there four times with my ex-girlfriend uh, and most of the Russian people are good. Um I'm not going to say anything about my ex-girlfriend. Did I say that out loud? No. Anyway, so uh, next week, I'm proud and happy to announce that on the 15th of March, we have Gary Nolan. Uh, he's going to be on for the first hour. And joining him th in the first hour is going to be Lou Elizondo and uh, Sean Cahill. So that should be one heck of a show next week. Don't miss that one. And start sending me questions if you'd like. Uh, last time I had Lou on, I kind of got flooded with questions, but I don't mind. A lot of times I can uh, take one question out of uh, a bunch of them and make sense of it and uh, make a really good question. So Martin at podcastufo.com if you want to email me your questions ahead of time for either one of them. Um, so I saw today um, through someone showed me that uh, John Greenwald has gotten the uh, resignation letter of Lou Elizondo back in October in 2017 pretty much spells out his frustration in the letter uh, with what was happening to the project. And it's very legitimate with the reason why he, uh, the um, UAPs were the frustration he had with uh, the people he was working with, not taking it seriously. He clearly says in the document, that's the reason why he left. So it's very interesting. And the blog this week is uh, UFOs, Strange Creatures in Hurrah, Washington. So uh, check that out. That's by Charles Lear, as usual, and a uh, great blog, as always. And I'm bringing in our guest. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me, Martin. So, Tom, just keep, in, yeah, just keep in mind the mic. You want to make sure you're, you're right up near that, if you would. And uh, you can see some cool things uh, for those of you watching this on video. He's got like an R2-D2 type of thing in the background and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, how's your cat doing? <laughs> Is uh, your cat I fed her right and she yeah. has finally shut up. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't, the robot will run her over. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I knew there was a reason you had that. So anyway, but not hurt her though, right? Just, you know, quiet her down. That's all. She's just but an anyway. old girl. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for Thanks for joining us, Tom. Uh, would you please give your background and, you know, talk about what made you interested in doing these sky watches in the beginning and all that? Well, uh, the first UFO sighting I had, I was probably six or seven years old. It was in the 70s. Um, my dad had me and my brothers out night fishing at a dam. 
And all of a sudden, the sky lit up. It, night turned into day, and we looked up, and there was this boom. We heard this like sonic boom, and, there, and something was glowing above us five, 600 feet. Wow. This was a close encounter. We were scared. Um, the object then landed about 1,000 feet away behind some trees, and then started shooting up red, green, purple. Different colored orbs would come up above the tree line, and, and they would go down. My dad, I didn't know what this stuff was, but I know it wasn't normal. Um, so my dad said, let's get in the car and get the hell out of here. He was scared. And when we were driving home, we came to stop sign. He goes, do you kids want to go down that, take a right, go down that road, see where that, what that thing is? My brother said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was crying in the floorboards. No, 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 no. If we go down there, we're never coming back. So that was kind of my introduction to this. So I never that's grew a great, up a skeptic. I grew up that's a believer. Yeah. Well, that's an incredible sighting. I mean, that that's major. I mean, <laughs> holy mackerel. Wow. So we yeah, went that back would... the next day in the daytime with a, a dad had a 22 rifle and there was a, a big <laughs> nine foot circle scorched into the ground and a couple of dead cows. Um, oh, my God. Wow. So that was the first, I guess, introduction to this phenomenon. Um, then I had a bunch of weird things happen to me when I was in my 20s. Don't really like to talk about that. Um, I ended up going to uh, Northern State College in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota, where I grew up. Um, lived in California for a while. Uh, moved back to South Dakota. Um, and then I knew that we had to move to Phoenix. Um, that's kind of a long story, but I knew there was something we had to go to Phoenix for. So the whole family moved down here in 95. Um, didn't have much money because we spent it all on the move. I would rent video VHS. I'd rent VHS cameras, put them on tripods, and do blind sky watching and just say, does anything show up or fly across? And if it does, then go out and track it. You know, you, you build one step at a time. Um, so in 95, I started filming these things. Um, Jose Escamilla really inspired me because he was filming this stuff in our neighbor uh, state, New Mexico. So I figured... Well, if there's UFOs in New Mexico and that 1992 wave was going down in, in Mexico at Jaime Masana Lee Elders were, were tracking, I figured, well, they, they're not going to, UFOs aren't going to pay attention to any geographical borders. They'll be in Arizona too. So it didn't take long. And I started filming those Mexico City hockey puck um, style UFOs. Filmed, I filmed so many of those things on VHS, super VHS, digital. I filmed them hovering, I filmed them taking off. I filmed him dropping down from space and just materializing it. I've seen I've uh, I've seen those through binoculars, and it looked like um, a, the color of a, it was a disc with a small dome over it. And it was the color of a spoon, like a dull aluminum. Um, wow. So I started, you know, uh, I met um, Jim Delatesso, who was the yep. president of Village Labs. Mm -hmm. uh, when I moved here, I seen him on TV from South Dakota, and then when I moved here, I happened to live. Two miles away we're really close so i would go over there maybe a hundred times down that lab i'd run down there with my footage what do you think jim what do you think jim um and then i went he said you want to go on the news i said okay so i went on the news and i think at the end of 96 and i i said you know nasa is looking in the wrong spot they're trying to find life on mars microbes come on let's see the it's yeah. right over town just look up. This is a hot spot. A few months later, Phoenix Lights happened, and I was there to film that. Uh, what happened was 
uh, there was a, a website called UFO Updates. It was like a mailing list back in the 90s. And it was like, it was the thing. That was where everybody communicated. And there was a guy now, a Tuki named Steve Blonder, who was seeing these UFOs every night, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This was March, I think, uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And he said, can somebody come over here and tell us what these are? I don't know. So Bill said, hey, Tom, get your gear. We're going going over to this guy's house. He's seeing UFOs every night from 8 to 10. <laughs> That's cool. That sounds like a, sh- a sheer deal there, you know. So I bought a Super VHS camera, tripod, a six-inch telescope, and a spotting scope. And well, by the time we got to Steve's house around just after 9, 9.30, uh, he goes, you're late. You missed it. You're late. You missed it. So he had filmed an orb or something like that. So orange orb. So we go up and, and we watch his videos. And I'm looking at Bill and he's looking at me and we're thinking, God, 95% of his stuff's out of focus. But he is getting something. He is getting something. He just needs to, to shoot this in manual focus. So I say, uh, Steve, where are you shooting this stuff from? Because he had just got one that night. And we go out on his balcony. And a few minutes later, he goes, there's one. And I look, and me and Bill look, and I'm like, okay, that isn't normal. That's not aircraft. Whatever that orange light is, is one orange light. Shouldn't be there. And we were looking directly south. We weren't looking over at that military range. Um, so I ran down the trunk, got all my camera, got all my stuff, ran up. The object was still there, and I captured that object. So there wow. were multiple, there were five events, or, or four to five orbs or flares, whichever you prefer to call them, happened from Steve Blonder's location. So a question I get a lot is, did the military set off flares at 10 to make a diversion for what flew over at 8.30? That's a great question. Uh, I looked into that for a couple of years. No. Those flares or whatever were going to go off anyway. They were going off at 9.15, 9.30, 9.45, 9.50, and 10. So it wasn't just one launch at 10 saying, hey, put a bunch of stuff in the sky so later – we can blame it on that. We learned, us investigators, that no one's protecting this country. The Air Force, n- none of these people are. It's a, that's just a myth they put out there. These things flew over uh, uh, on March 13th, and they didn't know what it was. These could have been Russian bombers. I mean, this could have been anybody. And they're just, oh, oh I, yeah, it's your job to figure this out. And then later on 9-11, we saw again, no one's really protecting this country the way you should. So, yeah, so that, yeah. so there were those objects going on at, t- you know, 9.15, 9.35, now 40, 9.50. So there were, and they were taken two by me and two by Steve. So they did not put those orange things up as a diversion. It's a great question. Yeah. But they were going to happen. So let's say the boomerang never flew down the state. Um, we still would have been on the news with those five videos. It just wouldn't have been the boomerang. So when the boomerang came, and then we had that thing happen at 10, we had two mass sightings at the same night that became a rare super sighting. So that's that's why it's so big. It, it... Just one second. Yeah, I do hear the cat. Robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, now we're he's talking about the flares, as you just heard. Uh, I've always had that question about the flares thinking that they were a diversion, but so I'm glad you answered that question that they were just going to, they were already planned. They were going to happen regardless of what was going on. But the thing that 
I have to ask you now that you mentioned that is wasn't this big enough for them to find out what was happening, stop whatever they're doing and find out what is going on with this. It had to be on their radar. And there is, there is a, what I've heard in the past was that there was a fighter jet or at least one that um, when the pilot landed, he was shaken, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. Is there, can you explain basically? And you know what I just thought of too, is I have a lot lot of new listeners, maybe, and I hate to go into it with all the people I've heard it so many times, but maybe we should just go into it a little bit more for the new listener, what the Phoenix lights was. Let's back up. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you some stuff I've never told anybody. People probably never heard before. This should have been the Las Vegas lights, not the Phoenix Mm -hmm. lights. This flew down the entire state of Phoenix, but it didn't start in Phoenix. You mean Arizona, you mean? Yeah, Yeah. in in Arizona. It started in in Las Vegas, and it didn't start on March 13th. It started the night before. Um, What you can do is you can go to the UFO Reporting Center, and you click on View by Date, okay, and then go scroll way down to 1997 in March. What you're going to find is this boomerang was the primary thing being called in before the Phoenix Lights. It was spotted, I think, in Boise, Idaho. Uh, They were seeing this boomerang around. So it was the military, I think, had a bolo out to be on the lookout for this thing because they acted really weird about what they did. Um, So what happened is on March 12th, if you look through the National UFO Reporting Center, a guy saw a huge boomerang. He says 1.5 miles long that just flew over Las Vegas. So the cover up was going to end 25 years ago. These things were flying around to say, here we are. Videotape us, get us, and almost no one did. So this flew over Las Vegas on uh, March 12, 1997, and it was heading, I think, uh, west to east. Then the next night, it did it again, and the witnesses described two huge uh, triangular craft. They had no lights on them, but they could see the belly lit up from the Las Vegas light pollution, lighting up these dark silhouettes. And they were heading south towards Arizona. So uh, Las Vegas had their opportunity to make this a mass sighting. And for some reason, it didn't happen. All those people in Las Vegas, and no one's seen it. But then the, the next night, March 13th, this thing, I think, was first spotted in Henderson, Nevada, around 655. Oh, it's back up a little bit before that. Spot in the daytime. The first sighting of the boomerang was in Crown King, Arizona at 5.30. It was over a lake, and the witness said that there were three boomerangs, in the, and they basically were just stacked. And then they mm. merged the three into one, the light shrank, and it disappeared. doesn't make any sense to us, but that's what the person reported. So then the object would have had to move back north up to start in Arizona, then go up to Henderson, then fly back down I-17, um, when it came down, the first caller, I believe his name was Dennis, they called him the National UFO Reporting Center, and he was a retired police officer leaving his house. Uh, he saw this object. He said the lights were orange, the same color as the 10 p.m. of it. And he actually drove home and got, it, got his binoculars and looked at it. Uh, he said they moved around the speed of helicopters. Uh, there was a, a, a trailing light behind it, which is very interesting, hmm. that trailing light. Um, 
So he saw that for a few minutes. And then um, the, the next person, um, I believe he was in Dewey. Um, so as soon as one person saw it, the next witness picked it up. And it's literally a chain of this thing going down the, the state. Uh, there was a witness who saw this come into Paulding. And he said it was the size of a Safeway. Uh, wow. they mostly, Safeway store? Yeah. Yeah, a store. Uh -huh. And he yeah. said it just basically just glided. But everybody said it went too slow. It would fall out of the sky. So mm -hmm. we're talking a speed of about 35 miles an hour. Right. Uh, yeah. And, you know, stall speed on like an Airbus, you know, is like 90. So uh, right. it's yeah. unconventional. Uh, so then when it got when it got to the Paulden, Arizona, then it shot off to Prescott. And Peter Davenport got a call at 815 uh, from Paulden and then one at 816 from Prescott. In one minute, it went 30 miles, or went 1,800 miles an hour, and then it stopped, or not stopped, but then it slowed down to the hover speed. It did the same thing over Prescott. It did a banking turn. And then it started shooting towards Phoenix. So this object went from northern Arizona all the way down to Tucson by 9.30. It traveled throughout the whole state. And it just said, hey, anything goes, baby. Just tape me. And we failed as, as people. You know, people should have got out their cameras and taped this. But there was this, oh, my God. You, I talked to so many witnesses. They were frozen. They, they, they said, either I watch this or I go fumble around inside for some old video camera in the closet. And almost everybody chose to watch it. And Interesting. You know, wow. We pay as a society because this could have ended the cover-up 25 years ago. Uh, they rolled the ball, and it didn't happen. So by 8.30, the boomerang had moved into town. It was seen by um, the Lee family. And they were the closest people to it because it went right over their head. And the size that they were talking, it was one big, um, like, carpenter square that was black. And it had these five objects in it, or five lights. Uh, they got the closest look. They think they were at least within, a, it was 100 feet over their head. It was so low that it went in between Squaw Peak and... You can measure that area on Google Maps and say, well, if it went in between this peak, it can't be bigger than X. It has to be within that distance. So it went in between these two mountains. So th this one they're saying was about 700 feet long. That's that's kind of what I've settled in as that one is about 700 feet. Uh, people say that it was a mile long. Um Different perspectives on. So anyway, when the, when the boomerang got to Phoenix after it flew over, it went down 7th and Indian School. Uh, then it, By then, there was a lady named Sue Watson, and she was over off Camelback. She was watching this with her kids. And they were just freaked out this was happening. This thing was coming in. And when it got up to them, she said it sh uh, shot a red laser down into the ground. And wow. just at that time, the jets were coming in from Luke. Because Luke launched jets to intercept at like 827. What happened is when they got to Paulden, when they were up a little farther north, somebody called Luke Air Force Base and said, we had a, a near miss with the Cessna. So this is when they said, okay, we're launching planes. Now, Air Force bases don't launch planes over a UFO report, if you think about that. So they must have known yeah. that thing was in Las Vegas the night before, and they want to get it. 
Uh, so, and you heard of that guy, Kirk Russell. Yeah. He, I know. He was yeah, in a There's Cessna, a great clip. Yeah. But there's a couple of them. The thing is, is we can't get nailed down. Was he in Prescott or was he landing in Phoenix? We don't know which city he was in. So was he the guy who called in that started the chain reaction that then said Luke's going to launch some jets? So anyway, when they did launch those jets over Phoenix, they were coming up over them, uh, and the lights dimmed out, and the thing shot away, and then the lights came back on. So the, the, the motive of this thing was to go over a city, slow down, and then when you get to the end of the city, speed up to the next one. So that was the first event. After that event, at 9 o'clock, a huge triangle flew over the town going from north to south in a different flight path. This was seen by different people. Uh, I remember when we were down at Village Labs and we'd have witnesses come in and they'd go in this huge, this big room that they had down there. And we just talked to them. And this this lady, uh, she came up from the Tucson area. She saw the triangle. And we said, what did this look like? And we get sketches from them. And she was saying that there was plated steel on the bottom of the belly. She, huh. she said, this, this looked like the boar. And me and Bill just looked at each other like, Jesus, she doesn't know that we just talked to these other guys and they said the same thing. Now, how are these people all describing this? And so she saw that triangle. And we it, we believe what happened, or according to Dr. Michael Tanner, uh, when the, the object one and object two, the 700-foot boomerang and the one-mile-long one um, triangle, got to an area called Picancho Peak, which is halfway between Phoenix and Tucson, he believes the objects docked and merged together. Really? Yeah. Jeez. We don't have These any are, evidence. This is so, so, so many new things that I haven't heard. This is really fascinating. Okay, so that's that's those two two events. And then I'm involved with 9.50 and 10 o'clock. Okay, at 10 o'clock, multiple events were happening. I was filming those lights that were pointing towards the military base. Uh, at the same time, there were other people filming that. And while this happened, you might have heard uh, there was a truck driver named Bill Griner who was driving down I-17. He didn't see any of this. He didn't see what I saw, which we always like, how did you not see what we were filming? He saw these two huge orbs with a red ring around them. He said were the size of a hot air balloons. They were big, and they were uh, glowing within. And he said Luke launched jets after those, and they shot straight up in the air. So that's another event at 10. Then we have pilot Trig Johnson, who is a, a captain for Southwest, something like 13,000 hours flying in the air. Him and yeah. his two sons saw this big chevron-shaped object at 10 o'clock, 9.30 or 8.30 or 9, 10, going down Scottsdale Road. So that's three events at 10. Then we got the supposed UFO crash. Another person, go look it up on the UFO Reporting Center said that an object had crashed on the White Tank Mountains and it was glowing at the top of the mountain. And he, they said, this husband and wife said, it looks like the military was going to retrieve whatever it was that crashed. So all <laughs> This these is things, like so, so far out of the scope of the things I've heard about this. It's, this is pretty amazing. So there were, a report was made at that time? Yeah, uh, pro these some of these reports would would come in over over time uh, yeah. to Peter. Um, 
what what mm-hmm. r- really needs to be done is we need to get these reports live. So when someone reports something, we can immediately know there's activity in the area instead of waiting three months later for a, a, a file dump. Yeah, well, that's a very good a very good point. So I asked myself after all these years, why did this happen? Or the, I mean, they whoever's flying these things, they could the whole world could have changed if we just everybody just recorded. If we all had cell phones like today, uh, the world would be different. We'd have a different conversation. We'd be living in a different reality. Uh, why didn't they come back and do that again? If they're yeah. if, if the if the the reason why was to stop the cover up and for the the things in these vehicles to say government deal with this explain all this that we just done if they failed why not come back the next night again until or another city or, or why did did it really a UFO crash in the White Tank Mountains and this was a, a something where they're coming in to retrieve it one of their own ships I don't know I don't know. Wonder, Has anyone ever claimed to have gone to a, a crash site there that you're uh, aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, the, the, I only seen one report of the um, the UFO crash. They're saying a UFO crash in White Tank. Uh, but Peter Davenport would have, like, the call records and the phone numbers for all these people. So I don't know if, like, I don't know if anybody was ever dispatched to go investigate that guy. I mean, these are. This is now a UFO cold case, where you're lucky to find if any of these people are still alive or living in the same spot, have any interest, and to get any you know good data out of it. Right, right. You know, the first people you mentioned that saw this is this depiction basically what they were claiming they were seeing in this uh, in this uh, newspaper article at that time. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that's a computer. Um, Tim Lee did that. Uh, he's a graphic artist, um, and he made that to show this is what it looked like to us. Uh, a lot of people, when they talk about this, they're saying, are they just lights in formation, or is there actual structure? And I pretty was settled on this is an actual ship. The, uh, the lights along it are actually individual craft. They're not lights. The, the witnesses said that the, the, the five main lights – if you could see real carefully, there were smaller lights going down the rim, hundreds of them. And those five main lights can interchange. So the first light can move back to the back position. They are they can they're, basically they're like LED lights sliding up and down a rail. And they were seen undocking, flying around, and then redocking into that ship. I don't think that's ours. I mean, if we couldn't build the tic tac, we couldn't build this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh it's it's really fascinating. Thank you for for going over that. I I, I do want to say that I have a friend who um she was involved in a TV show in regards to estate sales and it was on, you know, HG or I can't remember the channel it was on, but for several years. And I got a call from her one day, uh, we I, we had done a lot of antique things together, and I got a call from her one day. She goes, oh, my God, I didn't know you were into UFOs. I have a story for you, and I've been paying attention to it ever since this happened. And she said, in the late 90s, I was in a hotel room in Las Vegas, and she said, and I saw this huge triangle. So I never heard anyone else talk about Las Vegas until right now. And uh, tonight, after we do the show, 
I'm going to get in touch with her and try to get her to nail down the date of when when she saw that, because she said the late 90s. Very well yeah. could be. She very the, well could be a witness to it. The uh, the second object, the huge triangle that uh, Max Harrison, his wife, saw, they were real estate um, developers or sellers in Carefree, Arizona, which is kind of like the Beverly Hills of Phoenix. Uh, so they were selling million-dollar homes, and they saw the triangle go over, and his wife saw windows going down the side of the rim and said somebody was looking out the window at them. They were looking Jeez. down. There were people looking out of the ship or whatever they were. Uh, and this, they said this was chilling just to see this. They said this, they said this was 2.2 miles long was their estimate because they said it was the size of the lot they're selling. So they stayed out. They saw the 9 o'clock event, and then they saw the 10 p.m. lights that I filmed. And me and Max became pretty good friends uh, for a while after that. And he thinks that what I filmed was the triangle coming back. He thinks, he said, it looks just like it. So, so, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I'd like to, I'm going to play this clip um, right now while we're talking about this. This is Kurt. Kurt Russell talking about it. Maybe able to help me, and this it's may more, feature, yeah. who knows? Because this is an international story. Because of you both being here, I looked into the international files. Not covered by our Ministry of Defense, but maybe covered by yours. This took place in Arizona. An unidentified pilot, according to the press cuttings, flying near an airport in Arizona with his son when he spotted six lights in the night sky. Mm-hmm. So he called from the airplane to air traffic control to say, I'm seeing these lights <coughs> here. I wasn't expecting any other planes. There are none supposed to be on my landing path. Can you tell me what's going on? They said there are no other planes. He said, I'm seeing six bright lights coming towards me. Mystery unresolved. Except tail number for that plane was Bonanza 2 Tango Sierra, and I was the pilot. No No way. Oliver and I. Oliver and I were, were flying in. I was flying him to go see his girlfriend. And uh, we were on approach. And uh, I saw six lights over the airport in absolute uniform in a V shape. And, I, and Oliver said to me, I, I was just looking at him and I was coming in. We're maybe a half a mile out. And Oliver said, Pa, do you, what, is, what are those lights? And I, and I then it kind of like came out of my <clears throat> reverie, and, and I said, I don't know what they are. I said, uh, he said, are we okay here? And I said, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him, and I reported it. And they said, we're not painting anything. We don't show anything. I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to declare it's unidentified, it's flying, and it's six objects. Mm-hmm. We landed. I taxied, dropped him off, took off, went back to L.A., Never said a word. He never said a word. I never thought of it. Two years later, Goldie is watching a television show when I came home. Yeah. And the show is on UFOs. But as I'm, I, I came home, hey, honey, how's it going? Boom. And I'm kind of hearing this t- the TV going, and I stopped, and I started watching, and it was on that event. Now, that was the most, um, that was the most viewed mm-hmm. UFO event. Over 20,000 people uh-huh. saw that. Uh-huh. And I'm watching this, and I f- I'm feeling like uh, Richard Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. In in uh, close, <laughs> close encounters of the third count, it's like why why do I know this? You know what? And it's not clear to me. And finally, I said. Then they said the pilot reported it. A general aviation pilot reported it on landing. I had never thought of it since then. And I said, I, 
that was me. I, that was me. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute. I'll go to my logbooks. So I went to my logbooks, and there was the flight at that time, and I didn't mention anything about the UFO. The fascinating part of that to me oh, is that it yeah. would just went literally out of my head. Mm. Yeah. And, I, and Oliver never mentioned it. And had I not seen that show, I'd have never thought of it again. Oh. Amazing. That, to me, was the weird part. Believe it now, Chris? Yes. Yes. I'm convinced. It's, like, it's, 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 unidentified. it's just unidentified. It's there flying and it's... And it's an object. It's yeah. an object. Yeah. Right. Moving towards you at the... We need to move on. Now, I just... I thought that was a great clip. I happened to find that. Don't you just love that guy? Oh, I love Kurt Russell. Uh, maybe you know, that was the yeah. thing part two. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, here he is. He's saying something that I've heard time and time over. And that is, he would have never thought about it again if he didn't hear that. Uh, if he didn't, if Goldie wasn't watching it, he happened to come in and happened to catch it. And all of a sudden, bam, uh, so many people have said that they completely forgot about a UFO. Uh, I find it so bizarre and almost unbelievable that someone could forget about an event like that. He was flying a plane. Well, Martin... We're just small fish out here in this pond. This is Kirk freaking Russell. He escaped from New York. He's a legend. So for stuff like, uh, for something like, oh, yeah, alien crap, yeah, thank you. I got to shoot a movie tomorrow, a tango and cash or something. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, Yeah. he's got so much going on. It's probably just a small blip on his radar. We, I've been, you know, behind the scenes working with some TV shows um that want to talk about this and i try to steer them to all the good people like kirk we need to find out were you landing in prescott or was it phoenix um because if you were the guy from prescott then you were the guy who triggered um the intercept of of when they launched the f-15s at it and uh, i know you've talked about that before where um they basically they did a loop they flew out um it takes two minutes to fly from um Luke Air Force Base to where they intercepted it with your afterburners on. Uh, so they also had flare pods on both of these craft. Where's that footage? Uh, so they'd have, you know, basically the same thing that we'd get with like the Nimitz case. We'd get some videos of this. Um, they also shot. Um, they also shot the radar at it. And it jammed the radar. They said they were getting white noise back. So this is also like the Nimitz, where if you try to direct your sensors on this, it just scrambles you and gives you crap back. You're not going to get anything off that. There was um, Apache helicopters that were up that night, um, and they did see what I filmed on um, their uh, FLIR uh, pods. They admitted that. Uh, Unfortunately, nobody got any of that stuff. We we did a bunch of FOIAs back then to try and get as much data as we could. My wife was FOIA in um, the tower radar communications and the tapes. Uh, we got a letter back that they were recycled because the government can only store their records for three weeks, but they will store your entire digital life in that place in Utah in the NSA. They'll store all your conversations all your photos, everything that they suck off, like Snowden told us, they're they're recording everything, you know, in real time through these fiber areas, uh, cables. But they don't have enough paperwork to store any of these tapes. I find that really strange. We did get a a FOIA um, back, and this is from the Air Force. It was filed by Bill Hamilton. Um, Do you want to put that up against the 
put that toward the camera a little better? Yeah, can't. Yeah, and so basically, let us know what the gist is of that. Uh, basically, he wanted to know. I said, "This is uh, your response to undated Freedom of Information Act for copies of the tower log, the approach log control, departure log control, and any flights." that logged by base operations on March 13th from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. A copy is attached here. And then what it does is, let me get some this, which I don't know. It's, I don't know how to read that, really. It's, you got to be uh -huh. like a military, military coder. And then we have signatures of all the pilots that landed at Davis-Mothin on March 13th. Mm -hmm. that. Um, somebody in the this chat is, mentioned, mentioned something yeah. about... Um, are you talking about this right here? See it right on the screen? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all these sightings are they're, they're similar. Um, like these big sightings, the, the Air Force goes out, they shoot their sensors on them, the UFO jams them, the UFO turns out their lights, uh, they, they kick their ass in the military leagues. Uh, what, what I find interesting is, you know, when you hear Commander Fravor talk about, you know, he went to mano to mano fight one of these things in a fighter flight who are these pilots in phoenix that turned around and landed i mean they flew out and the lights all went off at the same time on this boomerang they said that's it turn around and head to base but was it their orders i mean are these people pussies i don't think commander fravor would turn around and land at luke air force base he would stay on that and then probably say, hey, we got Apaches in the sky. Do you guys see this? What, what's going on? Who else do we got? What what activities? They got to be able to communicate instantly from Luke down to davis Mothin of who's in the sky because they fly black down there. If you go down and watch the military operating areas like I have, they turn all their lights off. on the, the wow. All the FAA lights, they, they fly black. They start dropping bombs and shooting missiles out. This is nuts watching that stuff and you don't know if you're watching the military or you're watching uap down there wow amazing now uh i always wondered about that that one you know this was just a rumor or just hearsay i should say was that there was one that was there was a pilot that was so shaken that he had to have uh tranquilizers or had to be hospitalized or something like that uh what did what did you exactly have you been able to uh, find out about that, or is it just Not, rumored? Nobody can find out much about all that. A lot of that comes from Peter Davenport because he had phone conversations. But uh, from my memory, um, the guy wouldn't get out of the, the 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 jets landed, and one of the guys said it wasn't ours, and maybe that's why they turned around. They got scared. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd be scared flying after one of those if it's superior to you, and especially you, if it's a, the, the size. The yeah. size of it, you know, the 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 tic tac you were talking about, Fravor before is probably about forty feet. They're judging, and this thing, you know, like you said, some people are saying up to a mile and a half wide. Some people saying the size of a, you know, a grocery, a big grocery store or whatever, Safeway, whatever you said. Uh, but anyway, uh, it was huge, and it was uh, unknown. Nineteen ninety seven. We certainly didn't have something like that flying around in the sky. Not even in a generation above what we know as far as you know black projects go there was no way that would we would know about it long ago if that was something that we developed or someone else did i that's think a, that's an excellent point because if this was one of ours 
why was that guy scared? Why wasn't he flying? You know, exactly. I mean, yeah. see, this brings up the myth of that we have two Air Forces and two NASAs. Like, Fravor was in those F-18s, and they were brand spanking new, had the new F-18s paint smell on them, and they're breaking the engines in, getting these things broken. That's the best. He's the best. But if there's a Tic Tac out there, and that's U.S., then that's better than his. So that means he has the fake best, and there's really a better flavor and a better ship out there, and that's just for show. And NASA sends these rockets up that put so much CO2 in the atmosphere, and they land, throw them away in the ocean, and that's their best? No, that's their fake best. And then they have this UFO fleet. I don't buy it. Uh, this stuff's from somewhere else made by somebody else, not us. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they were saying what I heard is uh, they had to pull him out of the, the cockpit. He was just frozen in there. He must have just really? saw his life flash before yeah. his eyes. So it, it would be Kirk Russell triggered the event that happened with them intercepting it. And then we heard they, the base got locked down. They turned the lights off. And then what? They went up because they're right. The Luke Air Force Base is right next to adjacent to uh, White Tank Bounds. So did they send a crew up there to go get some downed UFO or – did that even happen? Did the UFOs come in and get their ship back? I mean, no yeah. way the military is going to take experimental stuff like this and then parade it down some big city and roll the dice and classified ship now becomes unclassified based on Joe Sixpack filming it. Yeah. And like the Nimitz, no good case would be good without the men in black. So we we had a guy. <laughs> who called Village Labs and says, I have video of the ship, and you can see it's one big ship, and you can see the city lights reflecting off the belly. His name was Richard Curtis. All right, all right, he called Frances Emma Barwin. So she says, sure, I'd like to see the tape. Somebody knocks on his door, some guys in some suits. You here for the tape? Mm -hmm. Here. Gives him the tape. I think it was Super VHS. Didn't make a copy. Gone. God. So how do these people know? I mean, if these people are the FBI, how come there's two people dressed up at the ready to go at any moment, anywhere? Like the Nimitz is the weird one. How the hell do you get out on that ship? I mean, it, I can see somebody flying into Phoenix. They're calling the FBI in Phoenix. They go to this house and get this tape. But how do you yeah. get those people in like the Nimitz? Whenever there's really, really good information, this other phenomenon of the men in black show up. Yeah, I don't know who that was that was on the Nimitz, but I know that they took, it was either the Nimitz or the Princeton, they took the data bricks, what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was bizarre. They just showed up. And so did they think, did he think that Francis Barwood sent those people over to pick that up? Is that what, is that what? They yeah, that's, assume? well, it, it's pretty obvious that the FBI or somebody was, had a phone bug. Uh, they yeah, were watching her. Like she was a dangerous yeah. politician because she just simply said, what is it? Everybody yeah. else was like, hey, that's taboo. Uh -uh, don't ask that. You'll ruin your career. Uh, don't, even Harry Reid, he had his people saying, man, don't go down his rabbit hole, Harry. And he went down that rabbit hole anyway for all of us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah then, then we heard what happened is everybody got separated. So those pilots, we heard one of them got reassigned to Iceland. And another guy got reassigned to another military base somewhere else in, in the world. So they wouldn't be able to sit down and have lunch and say, what the hell happened last night? 
Well, that sub- so, yeah. 25 years later, where are these people? I mean, they got to be retired by now. Why aren't you talking? I mean, everybody, everybody watching wants to hear what these pilots that or anybody that was stationed at Luke had to say about that night. Where's the Apache helicopter guys? Where's the guys who dropped the flares or the 10 p.m.? Uh, any of them. Nobody is coming forward. And that's that's really weird, too. It's this conspiracy of silence. It just needs to end. It, we we want to know what's going on. And it wasn't a one-off. That ship is still flying around. It was seen one week ago in Ireland. Yeah, let's talk about that. What is uh, we we're a little bit off off air when you were talking about that. But by the way, I I, I think I had Frances on for a very short while. She's very nice. Um, oh yeah, she's think, she's a, think, a very yeah. intelligent lady, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So what 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 happened in Ireland? Well, it sounds like something like what happened here. Um, five lights fly over. It's it's lower than commercial air traffic. It's huge. Uh, makes no sound. Uh, they don't know what it is. Nobody gets any video. I mean, where the, this was the cell phone age. They didn't get one, even a selfie. People disappoint me. I'm just used to taping stuff. It's, it's, it's yeah. like weird not to like, why aren't you getting a camera? For me, it's just second nature just to record what's what's going on in front yeah, of me. Yeah, but I get to tell you, know, I want you to continue talking, but I just, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I totally get that someone doesn't pick up their camera because if I had a camera next to me when I had a UFO sighting, I would have never, I would now, I'd think of it now, but at the time, my very first time I saw something, there's no way I'd think to pick up my camera. I was I was in the moment. I was saying, "What the heck am I seeing?" But um, anyway, continue. A lot of you, a lot of witnesses. You know? that same same deal. It's either I watch this, or I go fumble around in some closet, dig out the kids' home video. I mean, people had cameras usually because they'd have a baby and they tape them when they're babies, and then they stop after a couple of years and put them somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Like Mike Fortson, a witness, um, lived in Chandler. He he saw this object at uh, eight thirty. I worked with him. I became good friends with him. Uh, I worked with him over time to do a computer simulation uh, in Maya four of what he saw. And he said, arms wide like this. He said it was like a train slowly moving, and he said it had a trailing light behind it. Now that trailing light is the one that kind of freaks me out. Uh, that trailing light is a thing. The the four lights and one off to the side is a UFO formation. It's a thing. If you study black triangles and stuff, you'll pick up on that. Why is this one over here? Like, it's just sitting behind watching. I don't know. But on my video that I shot at 10, it starts with this double light over on the side. And then these lights just kind of fill in into this arc that was straight. But this double light on the side... That's the one that gets me. I mean, I would go all in that I shot flares at that double. Again. How did they know to get that double? Because that there was a trailing object that was going behind the 830 event, and it was undocking, and, and sometimes it would join the group, sometimes it would go back. How the hell did the flare thing or whatever just nail that? I, I don't get that. I, I kind of go back and forth on my video. I'm about 95% sure it was most likely flares at 10, um, that this was just a military exercise going on. 
Um, but then more evidence comes out. There's um, a, a lady named Shinar C. Uh, she shot what looks just like my video. And I think 2019 and it's coming right at her. And it's like a 12 minute, maybe 15 minute long video. And it looks just like with mine with four of them and one off to the side. And then they line up eventually. And then they start doing this creepy light flickering and they go over the town. And like I was telling you off earlier, Martin, these things are so low that if they tip, the wing hits the damn ground. And that video freaked yeah. me out when I saw it. I go, maybe I didn't shoot flares. Damn, I can never decide on this. It's it's hard. Uh, so yeah. that boomerang does fly around to other cities, and it has this magical ability to memorize or mesmerize people. So they freeze and they don't do anything. It's like, oh my god, this is I've been waiting for this my whole life. And even today with cell phones, they don't do much. They don't yeah. record it. I mean, there are videos of this phenomena. Uh, I own the website ufovideo.com, and I don't post there very often. I only post stuff that looks pretty good, uh, that has, you know, somebody, some original audio, somebody to put their face and name behind it most of the time. Um, and I've been tracking these black triangles, and they're huge, and they are recorded, but still you can't see one big outline of the ship because it's nighttime. I mean, you, you're going to need – uh, thermal or military grade night vision, you know, night shot on a camera doesn't cut it. If you want to see the outline of that big thing, it's there for the taking. If you're lucky enough to ever see one of those, but you're going to have to have the gear. You're going to have to just have that muscle memory to record right now. Don't even think about it. Right. I want to show this video that I took last week. Um, I was out of town and I saw what I thought incredibly was a UFO. And I'm just going to play it right now. And um, you'll see this is the city of Miami. And you'll see that, see the object about the center of the screen. And uh, so, and then all of a sudden it, here, it, it disappears. And I'm looking at it. I said, I can't believe I just got here. And here it appears again. And then for a minute there, you can see two. So I'm all excited thinking, this is crazy. I just got here. And I, I'm seeing seeing this crazy UFO. And then, um, so caution to all people out there, always check something and thoroughly. So I, I look, at, I have one of those, the big iPhones, the Macs or whatever they're called. So I expanded the little dot in the middle as far as I could. And you know what? It was a banner for an airplane being pulled by an airplane. And when it turned, when it was doing a loop and turned sideways, when it disappeared, it must have been at an angle away from me. And then it came back. And when I saw two of what I thought was two UFOs, one of them was the plane. So, <laughs> so you know, you could you could show that video to someone and convince them that it was UFO if you, if you wanted to do that. Because it sure had me going for a while. And, uh, um, you know, I really have to, you know, I really uh, base my credibility uh, is very uh, I want it to stay very high so I don't want to ever show a video that I film unless I'm 100% sure that it's something you know that can't be explained and I'm, I like to explain them actually let me ask you this I know you filmed a lot um, what percentage would you say you've been able to explain 
a good deal. Um, maybe half. Yeah. I mean, some things you never know. What, what's amazing, I've been doing this so long that technology eventually gets invented. And later you can go back and figure out something from years ago. I mean, back in the day when I started, there was no Adobe After Effects. Uh, there was no taking the camera shake out of uh, handheld stuff and stabilizing oh, it. Yeah. And doing it. I mean, that's like magic today. And you can use that to find hidden things in videos, like how does it fly or does it actually drop? Now you can try old videos with After Effects if there's good enough data to stabilize. So sometimes, yes. and then sometimes you need more experience. Like you, I, I filmed something in 95 that was a green triangle. And it, it was a chartreuse triangle and had three balls and it filmed it for 20 minutes. I know what the hell that was. It wasn't until maybe five, 10 years later with more experience that I figured out, okay, well, I know what this was. This was some balloons attached together that kept trying to break away and the strings were pulling them back and it was undulating. So I figured out that the undulation movement of this object is a characteristic of a bunch of balloons trying to come apart and be pulled back together. So then that, that flight path yeah. was or that characteristic now you can use examine other videos does it do that if it does likely balloons i get more skeptical as i go on um we're all That's looking good. for that five percent you know 95 yeah. percent of this stuff is just whatever it, sh it should be there it should be like in the sky or balloons or grocery bags debris i heard you, yeah i heard you talk about grocery bags there seems to be a lot of them floating around unfortunately the plastic bags um here's Here's a, a speculative question. If the ship was seen in Las Vegas, going back to that, is it possible it came from Area 51? You know, to that, I would personally say, you know, anything is possible, but how would we ever know at this point? Yeah, how would you rule that in or out? Um, just, be, just because it's in the vicinity doesn't really mean it comes from there. I mean, if you look at Google Maps at that big hangar, the biggest hangar they have there, this thing wouldn't fit in there. It wouldn't fit inside. Yeah. And neither yeah. would that two mile, um, that two mile long triangle. Where's that fit? Where's that stored? Right. Uh, yeah. I've makes, always wondered about that. You know, who makes that's that a very stuff? good, that's a very good argument to say, how did they have this type of anti-gravity, whatever it is, because it's, it's going so slow. How did they possibly have that for so long hidden away? And then again, just what you're saying, I've said many times, how could they have these huge, huge crafts under a hangar that a hangar doesn't exist wide enough um, that they could possibly build even um, without supports in the center for and a there's, roof. There's the whole infrastructure to support that too. You have to have an yeah. assembly line like Northrop or one of yeah. the military industrial complex people. They'd have to have a hangar big enough to complete the, right. the ship. Well, let's say it's just 700 feet, not a mile. That's still damn big. And then you yeah. have to have support. You have to have all the crew. I mean, look at like when an F-18 lands, how many people have to now go do maintenance on that thing? And that's huge. And, right. and then yeah. that's a lot of money and a lot of people. And for like you have the B-2 bomber, that's comparable, but a smaller version of this. It costs $2 billion each. So if this thing is bigger, what does this cost? Half a trillion dollars to make something like this? I mean, I could see we'd be in a war saying we can't win this war because the government spent all the money on these huge ships we never use. We got to <laughs> stick with that fake military and the F-18s. The good stuff's <laughs> hidden in the back. 
That doesn't That's make right. any sense. Yeah. Here's a here's something I think you already addressed. Um, this is by Stephen. How can you not see the flares were deliberate, meant to confuse the issue? Didn't you say that you researched it and you found out that they were already scheduled ahead of time? Well, this was going on for three months, Martin. Uh, night after, see, there were three different people recording this. There was Steve Blonder, Terry Proctor up uh, in Carefree, and then we had Dr. Lynn Kitak. They were recording, they were looking out towards the gunnery range, and they were recording flares every night for Monday through Thursday because military doesn't work Friday or weekends, not here. And they were launching them between 8 and 10. So all you had to do was get in your car and go down to Casa Grande, set up a tripod, you could record. It's usually one or two flares. They don't like the sky up the way they did on March 13th. You don't see anything like that. You will see a couple, but they ended Operation Snowbird in 2019. And Operation Snowbird was basically other states that have snow. Their, their pilots get to come to Arizona where we don't have snow and train. So that they're doing basically sort of workups out in our desert practicing. Then they go back to their states and they're you know certified or whatever that they can run this. Uh, somebody brought up in the chat uh, the governor. We need to talk about this guy. Uh, Fife Symington. This guy bombed up. Uh, when he was our governor, uh, he was an embarrassment to the state. Um, as, as long as I lived here, most of our governors leave office um, because they're kicked out. We have just corrupt governor. There was a corrupt one before him and a corrupt one before that guy. They usually don't, you know, finish office without, you know, some corruption charges or something. I wonder why that is. Now, I did hear about the charge. I can't remember what it was about, but there was some type of it was uh, some type of civil charge, was it? Or what, what, was, what was, was it? He was involved with a bunch of banking and, and loan stuff. Um, so it was like white collar crime. Um, and he was, I think he got convicted of several felonies. It's on his wiki. Um, and he later, you know, got him erased, um, you know, by uh, filing more, more appeals. But he basically left office in disgrace. And he was a disgrace as our governor. That's all that guy was. He got on TV with the alien mask and, and did what he did. And, man, there were people mad. I, I was yelling at the TV and cussing. At, he was like everybody else that's seen his press conference. He had the ability to blow this wide open, and he blew it. You blew it, Fife, if you're watching this. Yeah. Uh, but then later he tries to change his legacy and say, no, I saw it. I'm also a witness. In a park. Some park, yeah, or yeah. So, if you ever meet 830 witnesses, they wouldn't come out and ridicule their own sighting. This changed their life. They saw this and went, Oh my god, I got to see the hand of God, something that is very different. And then they come out and say, I'm gonna take a dump on that. Nobody would do that. And he, he says. He made up this myth that he saw it, he, and he, he only does big shows. Uh, I also tried to get some shows to ask him specific questions to, to nail down his story, and he won't do hardly any shows unless they're real big ones. And um, There's no way he saw the Phoenix Lights. Okay, out of all the people who saw the Phoenix Lights, this guy is the only person who said he saw it on TV and then went out and looked at it. Only one. Nobody else saw that. Well, see, that never happened because it was not on TV. He lied. He made that up. It wasn't on TV till the next day. 
The first person who even talked about this was Art Bell at midnight, March 14th. He got Peter Davenport on the phone and said, our phones are burning up. So it was reported the next day. I talked to the reporters that came along, collected my footage, and uh, it was 4 o'clock, I think, on March 14th when they first started this on the news. So he says he saw the object at uh, 8.30, that he was watching television, and they were had some hoopla about a UFO. So he's going to go see what it's all about. And he ditched his... Uh, as uh, cops that are protected to protect the governor. Somehow he got rid of them. That's also weird. Did governors just ditch their security detail because the boogeyman's in the sky? Okay, so if we, here's how we can debunk him. The timeline is burnt in on this. We know it went over Paulden. We know when it went over Prescott. We know they called Luke Air Force Base. So in order for him to get in his car, find a park, and get out and wait, that would have had to have been on TV around 8.20, and the object flew over at 8.30 to give him enough time to drive. Okay, so how is the television channels going to report a UFO that's not even in town yet? It's still got to Prescott. Um, Peter Davenport gets his first call from Dennis, the retired guy, at 140 miles north, and then the news is reporting this instantly? Uh-uh. They don't interrupt prime time. You're not going to have uh, – we, we're going to interrupt this episode of Friends because, ladies and gentlemen, there's a UFO heading into town. Go out in your F-150 and go find it. Now back to Friends. That didn't happen, but that's the myth that Fife Symington wants you to believe. Okay, he's, Interesting. Him alone I, seen that. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people very angry at him. Um, you know, I mean, I think he was – was he in James Fox video – uh, I think the James was the guy who interviewed him. He was interviewed locally here by John Hook on Channel Ten. Uh, he was on the Showtime. Uh, no, I mean in that, the. I'm sorry, in the movie The Phenomenon, was he in that? I I can't remember. I, he might. I haven't seen Out of the Blue. He might have been in that one, or I know what I saw. I I know he was in one of those, but but anyway. Um, oh, by the way, uh, James Fox is where I'm going to be over at his. I'm going to be at his house uh, coming up. Um, in the next month or two and uh, actually going to sit down with him at his house and, and uh, film a show live right from his, his new, um, I don't know if he can announce where he is now or not, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to be there live uh, coming up. That should be good. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And he's, he's a, a, was talking to him the other day. He's pretty funny. Um, I want to pose a couple of questions if I can in chat that came up. So this one right here, uh, why, are there trained observers not being, as this is by Jay Allen, or not being asked about the Phoenix data? Does the typical civilian believe that the flares are visible and stationary for over an hour? The flares that they launch um, have a burn time of about three and a half to four and a half minutes. So you really don't see anything after that. Um, there were some sightings after this in 1998. Um, and most of the same people recorded those too. And they were all over the South Valley. One of the reasons I think the military shuts up about this is because they're not launching the flares where they're supposed to. They're launching them over people's houses. But I don't know what kind of technology those A-10s had back then. I mean, now they could maybe have retrofitted with GPS, so they know exactly where they're hitting the button. But this stuff was just, it was launched over the town of Maricopa, all over the place. And... They're up so high 
that they're able to put the flare in the exact same spot. So that flare can sit there, and when it burns out, another one reappears and reignites in the same spot over and over and over. Uh, military people I talked to said that can only be done if you motor them up in the sky. You can't really have an aircraft keep dropping it, not back then, in that same you know X, Y, and Z spot. Wow, amazing. And, oh, and by the way, really expensive, those, just, those flares, I guess. Oh, are they? Yeah, we're going to be taking calls in about a half an hour, all these people that are posting. I got a video to uh, show the people if you want to go, go into that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's share that on that screen. All right. And also, is your video that you took that night available to show? Uh, I can get it. Uh, I got a, a couple of boomerang videos here, though. Yeah, let's do that first. So he is sharing his screen. Once that comes up, I will put it up on on the screen. And uh, for those of you that are listening to this audio, um, you may want to pop over to the YouTube and uh, mark this. Uh, I don't have the exact time right here for some. Yeah, it's uh, how far in the video, but it's about an hour. We're about an hour and uh, five minutes or so into the video at this point. But I'm going to add this to the stream right now. And uh, there you go. Let me uh, make that a full screen. All right. And go go ahead and uh, run. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and run that now. Now, this is a boomerang video shot 1992 over Ahwatukee, Arizona, in November 27th. Is this yeah. something you did? No, this is a video that they came in to Village Labs, and they said, look at this. So they're zooming Jim in. Stettles. Yeah. And so this is where Jim, Jim works, right? Jim anything. works here. Yeah, so what, what's going on is they're filming a boomerang with about 12 lights going down. It There's a trailing light behind it, and there's another boomerang behind it. They travel in twos. Huh. There's two planes behind. Now, now you have yeah, like the stabilization. Just doesn't have as many lights. Okay, let's. I'm going to stay quiet, it's and you can go ahead and narrate if you need to. This is in 1992. This was done. Yeah. So this didn't trigger a mass sighting, but two objects flew over of uh, this big boomerang and a huge triangle behind it. I hear something now. And and where was this exactly? This was shot in Ahwatukee, Arizona. It was shot in the same town that I filmed my stuff. So I see. we don't know what this is. Um, it's not a refueling operation. It's two big Vs flying by. Uh, no idea. But if somebody recorded the Phoenix Lights in 97, it would look like this. And they travel in twos. And this is one of the reasons I think Dr. Michael Tanner thinks that they docked that they, they fly close together. So one of them basically springs off the front of the bigger one, goes out, does whatever it does, and then it can just redock and they join into one. Now I'm seeing like a strobe like you do see on some planes. Yeah, there is a strobe following it, but none of these are making any sounds. Hmm. I, yeah. And did I hear him say, though, a minute ago that he... He heard a sound or not? Yeah, they, it, they heard a very, very faint sound of, of that. I don't know if there's another one you you feel like putting up uh, there, but you're welcome to. Okay, let's. Uh, here's another one here. And feel free to narrate narrate right over them. Okay, this is going to be a 10 p.m. video. All right. This was shot in Apache Junction by Chuck Reardon. Uh, there's no sound on this. Um, what, what's going on is I took out the camera shake with Adobe After Effects, 
And as the video plays, you can see the lights slowly go out of alignment. The, the four kind of, you can see the one on the uh, that I'm referring to, the trailing light is the one on the far left that's lower. So like if these are flares, how did the military know to put a trailing light behind a boomerang in the sky? Unless they were a, a lot smarter and they were already being on the lookout for this and they were trying to track this. So that oh. was, oh, that's that right there is, uh, is the date of the Phoenix. So this is the date of the Phoenix lights. Okay. Yeah. This is one of the five videos. I see. This is one of them. Uh-huh. And so we don't know for sure. Uh, because I, I remember talking to my friend Alejandro Rojas, um, him saying that there's probably only one real video of the, the what people were seeing and the rest of them were flares. Uh, that well, was his his thought. Uh, he's pretty much on. There, uh, there are five videos. Well, there's four confirmed videos from 10. And then nobody really knows what the doctor has because she won't share her stuff. Um, Dr. Lynn Katai. Yeah, I've never, nobody has any, like, we don't have a complete copy of her video. Like with the full audio and everything. All she did is release like 10 seconds of of something. But we don't know when it was shot or... Or, or what? Um, and then there's another video. I could show you that. Um, that's of the actual March 13th boomerang that was flying into town. But it may be hard to see. But let me cue that up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do that. That's um, Is this the one that you filmed, actually? or No, I'm going to get you... that one here. Yeah. So eventually. So I'm having fun. <laughs> I hope the audience is. And I will get to your questions. And we will, again, we're going to be taking calls in about 20 minutes or so. So, uh, and right. again, there are some, there are some questions in chat. I will try to get to if I can. And I do appreciate the people out there putting them in caps so I actually can see them. Otherwise, uh, it's hard to field them. Okay, here's the actual March 13th boomerang that flew over, the Terry Proctor video. Okay, and can you may expand that, please? There you go. Well, there you go, okay. It's so I can see the... See- but yeah. yeah, you can see five faint lights. This will probably cycle through a filter or two. Yeah, you got, hey, I can Mr. definitely yeah, see yeah, it, the sure. formation. Again, if you're listening to this audio and you want to check this out, you want to go to our YouTube uh, video, which is always in the show notes on podcastufo.com. And this is about an hour and 10 minutes into the um, audio where we are, uh, where you want to go on the YouTube channel. Maybe I'll put some timestamps. Yeah. This uh, what is this right little, here? Is this, this is the same is this, video, but it's, um, it's been filtered by Richard Mozart to kind of bring the lights out. You I can see. kind of see that one light on the top um, is kind of trailing back from the main group. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people said I, that the first three lights were tight and the other two lights were back aways. So they weren't really? proportionally spaced. The, the first three lights were up closer, but they moved around and they docked. I mean, I don't believe these are actual lights. I think these lights are actual just craft that are just embedded in the side of the ship. Kind of like how um, kind of like how a battleship's going to have remote control helicopters and planes and other things that take off from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, nothing makes any sense when it comes to this. So <laughs> that's what I like about it. It's all a mystery. Uh 
I'm going to show you another screen here. If yeah. people want to look stuff up, uh, we can link them to this. I have 104 videos on here. Yeah, we have that linked right in the show notes. Okay, right so in the this is the info. actual research of different videos. Some of them are hours long. And a lot of them are rare because they're out of my collection and I'm the only one who has them. But you could spend three weeks going through this stuff. I mean, this is about, I mean, yeah, this is what Showtime used for part one of their show that just came out last summer. Is that so, right? So they, they, you gave them license or whatever it is. I didn't give them anything. It just came in and took. It was a, <laughs> it was a JJ Abraham smash and grab. Oh, yes. I remember when that came out. Okay. Yeah. So this is the actual video I shot. Okay. This is what you shot of the Phoenix Lights. Yeah. Let me see. Well, that's an orb right there, what we're seeing. That's the, uh, this is that double light. That's the, the that I kind of call the trailing light. Two of them side by side. So, yeah. If these are flares, why is there a trailing light? It's so yellow when there's the two of them. Oh, I see. This is the location. This is Steve right here. He's the one who. Kind of got it. There's Rhonda. Pool puppy. Let's go back to the saucer. I don't know if I'm calling them. You want to lower it? Yeah. 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 So this is March 13th, 1997. I got a yeah. spotting scope yeah, somewhere here if somebody wants to look into that. There's two side by side. This is slightly different. There's another one. Oh, look. One, two. There's another Wait, one where? There's oh, another one, too. Where? There's oh, two more. Look at that. There's another one. There's there's one. We're, we're just excited. Yeah, they keep coming. Wait, look at them. I got that Wait. one on video. There's just four of them. Look at there's three of them all together. I got the third one popping. That girl's really excited. I got four of them. Major sighting here. Oh, I remember that. Another one just showed up. Whoa. Somebody setting up lights. When I saw this, no, I just knew we had something see, here. It was just amazing to watch. I can't see how this works. How does this Holy work? Holy shit. Oh, you got to keep on. Did you no. That's weird. They're lined up in, in a pattern, man. There's geometry behind this. Yeah. I can't even get the, this. I've never seen it. Look at that. Man, this is... What is this? What is Let's this? see. Oh, there's three of them all lined up. No, four, Bill. Over, Bill, here. Bill. over here, there's four. What? Bill was watching this through over a the top right telescope, now. but he didn't see any smoke or anything. He said they were um, I don't like know, glowing orbs. They just appeared. What does it look you, like, Bill? If you wanted guy, to, Tom, you can. The guy like, saw the triangle. Max Harrison said this. he thinks this was the same thing. The big triangle. Yeah, that's there's spears now. Anybody watching it? They just complete circles. Or yeah, they just transformed into circles right now, right as you were talking. Now they're they're now they're not spears. Hey, Stephen Greer missed out, didn't he, Bill? <laughs> we invited Stephen Greer to come, and he declined. He was in town that night. Nope. This isn't first for me. Anything like it? I have similar video of this from other people. So, no, but you're able, uh, Tom, you can actually, if you wanted to, I mean, I think what everyone is saying is really interesting, uh, but 
Um, you think when you look back at this and you look it over now, you think it is possible that what you were looking at was flares or not? I came to that conclusion in 99. Um, what I what I was doing was I was working with the four videos and something hit me that there was a theory that Village Labs had that there were two events at 10 that I had filmed one here and you guys probably heard this. And then the craft moved in front of South Mountain and that's when uh, Mike Christian filmed his. Then there was this big controversy with that video, is that in front of South Mountain or is that above South Mountain? Because if it's above right. South Mountain, that makes yeah. them flares. If they're in front, that's not a flare drop because everybody in the South Phoenix would see that. Um, Jim screwed up his analysis. He got those lights wrong. He just kind of put them where he thought they would go. He didn't actually use any staging thing right uh, with that. So what I did is I'm like, well, if this moved – I filmed it, and then it lit up again. How come I just couldn't look to the right and film it? I should have seen it, right? It's in my line of sight. So what I did was I put the four videos together, mine, uh, Chuck Reardon's, Terry Proctor's, and Mike Christian's. And I figured out how to start and stop them with four videos. So you have mine in one corner. It's on my site. You have one in one corner. It's a split-screen video. So when I pause recording, the video stops. And when I hit record again it sinks in so all four videos play in real time when you watch this you go oh we were recording all one event this did not move in front of any mountains like mike christian says because when mike christian's video ends the guy behind him who filmed the boomerang we just watched he's still filming those 10 p.m lights how is he doing that because they fell below the mountains and mike can't see him anymore but Terry Proctor lives hundreds of feet above him in elevation. He could still see him. Hmm. So you think they, they were flares that were dropping? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm about 95% sure. I mean, that yeah. trailing light, like, like I said, kind of throws me. And then Charnel's video. Uh, is this, it looks just like my video, but it's moving at you, and it's like 13 minutes long. Yeah. But let's let's get one thing very straight here for the listener and people that just watched that. There was events that people actually witnessed. There were the lights that people talked about. There were people that were seeing the sky blackout above them in a triangular or boomerang, as you say, uh, formation um, that they could see like a ripple of water. I remember someone said uh, it was a, a, a kid at the time in 1997. I think he said it was like when you look at a road on a really hot summer day and it ripples. You know, that's that's what he could see. The stars were like rippling through when this thing went over. Yeah, that um, would be Tim Lee's son. He, uh, uh, he, that was his testimony. Um, Mike Fortson said the same thing. He said when he saw it go by, th there was the moon there, and the thing went kind of through the moon. So he could see like the, the outline of the, the ship. And he said that's when he saw just like match that other. That was a wavery yellow. Uh, but there was it was it's semi invisible. So I think what happens is when you see that black triangle, it can become totally invisible, I, I guess, stealth, or it could just turn it off and you see it. Yeah. Uh, it's very, yeah. very, very weird. Any other questions anybody wants? Yeah, there's this? questions that are uh, coming up here. Uh, here's one right here from Richard. Maybe we can learn what they, quote, unquote, uh, wanted to accomplish by looking at 
what actually changed after the event. Did the event change our ideas about ETs, et cetera? I'm not sure. You know, that was a, that was one of the biggest mass sightings ever. Do, do you think it changed people's minds in at least Arizona or that area of uh, what the possibilities are? The people that saw, most people saw the first event, they didn't see the 10 o'clock event. Um, 90% of the witnesses saw the boomerang, not the 10 p.m. event. The 10 p.m. event, a lot of people were in bed. And if you look at all the videos, the reason that these videos are recorded is because the people lived in basically million-dollar homes that had a hell of a view of the valley. So if you're on the floor of the valley, you're not seeing what happened at 10. It's impossible. Uh, the people that saw what that happened at 8.30, this changed most of their lives. They were never the same afterwards. They were like, I, I, I got to see it into another world, that there's something bigger than all of us here. Uh, almost everyone I talked to said, this is some ET shit. They don't know who it is or where it came from, but sure the hell wasn't made here. And yeah. we're not using this thing at war. Uh, we're using, I guess, that fake military with the F-18s and the F-35s, and when we really got yeah. UFOs sitting in these hangars yeah. we don't use. Like the uh, secret space program, too, right? Yeah, I think that's what they call it. Uh, so Thomas is saying they were trying to light up the object, Maryland A-10s. Do you know what they are? The uh, Maryland National Guard was visiting at the time. They're the ones that are in this FOIA paperwork. Um, they were, they were, uh, they said, with the reason, there's so many stories that the military gave us. They said that the reason they ejected these flares is because you can't land with them or the plane will blow up. That they're extremely volatile and it'll hit the, if the plane doesn't land right, fuel tank hits or something, the flares are in. I'm like, come on, it's BS. Planes land with, with lethal ordnance all the time. You don't have right. a plane that goes up and says, hey, we can't land with these sidewinders and these bombs, so just shoot them, hell. Yeah. The only thing you ever hear about a plane doing is they'll dump their fuel because they'll be too heavy to land. But that's it. I know, talked that, to that's uh, what I've ever heard of. I talked to, I think, a lieutenant in um, Tucson, um, and he told me that they never, ever refuel over any cities. Like, for instance, the video we just saw from 1992 of those two boomerangs. Yeah. Okay. That If that was, let's say, a refueling operation, they didn't refuel here. They, they said they refuel over the mountains around Kingman and Flagstaff where there's very sparse population. So they just, they dump on those people that own cabins up there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've heard of the Proctor video. So someone, uh, Stephen is saying, what about the Proctor video of the Phoenix lights? That's the one we just watched. Oh, okay. That was right. the real grainy one with the five. So uh, Steve uh, or Terry Proctor uh, or Terry McLaren depends on his alias. <laughs> All these guys had aliases. is very weird. Um, he shot the 8.30 event and the 10 o'clock event. And then he turned around and he gave the, the tape to MUFON and said, I don't want nothing to do with this. I'm giving it to you. You own the copyright, everything. He said the 10 p.m. event was flares. They've been doing this for months. He goes, I see this every night. These one, two. And then when he, they lit the sky up, then he's like, oh, my God, they're really going you know, to the wall tonight. So that guy immediately, so he was one of the three I mentioned that was just watching these flares over and over and over. So it goes back to the first thing I was saying that, no, the 10 p.m. event wasn't flares dropped to debunk the 8.30 event because they were going to do this anyway. Whether the boomerang showed up or not, 
those players are going to get fired. It was just two mass sightings that happened at the same time. It made this a super sighting, and that's why so many people seen it. If the flares didn't happen, the boomerang thing still would have took place. It would have been a small blip on the news because the video the, hardly anybody has any video, and it would have went away. But the 10 p.m. videos kept this story alive. Wow. Well, okay. We have we're going to be having calls here in just a minute. I'll put the number up. Um, so Jay Allen says, honestly, our test aircraft out in Arizona, we almost always have a chase aircraft following gathering video telemetry. Uh, tel- telemetry. Not saying this is the explanation, but uh, differentiate. Differentiate. Now, isn't that chase aircraft armed most of the time? Because uh, from from what I was told. That chase aircraft is to make sure that their experimental aircraft doesn't defect. If that guy thinks he's taken off with this and, say, going to Iran, a chase aircraft will shoot him down, crash into him, or blow him up. So I think it's, yeah, they're for, for safety reasons and insurance reasons to make sure we don't lose this. Because there has been, you know, times in the past where Russians have landed with a MiG and say, I defect here. It's yours. Here's the keys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to open the phone lines now. We we have certainly enough people in here. Um, and now I, I do, I know I had Frances Barwood on for a short time, but um, does she still take heat from, from this after all this time? Uh, she has been probably more quiet than me. Uh, in 2003, I got burnt out and just walked away from all this. Um, and I understand that. I totally yeah, get I, that. I, I gave yeah. it everything I had to figure this out. Um, mm-hmm. so, and then 2015, my daughter urged me to, she's like, Hey, what's my friends always talk about that thing you were involved in a long time ago. Why don't you get back in it? So I, I put my toe back in the water and then I fell in deep. Now I can't get, I'm hooked on this damn thing again. <laughs> I successfully quit for 12 years, went into hiding. Nobody can get a hold of me, nothing. And now I'm back. Uh, now yeah. I'm using 4k thermal, whatever I can get afford, get my hands on. Yeah. That happens. I had um, Chris, I uh, can't think of his name right now, on um, UFO historian uh, in Massachusetts. Or not no, Chris O'Brien's been on a million times. I'm trying to think of a uh, great guy. Um, I'm going to be doing some things with him in the future. I just can't think of his name. I'll think of it. But here's uh, here's another question. Again, the lines are open, 855-472-5483. And that number will be up on the, on the screen um, did anyone report failing cameras or electronics uh, in presence of these triangles? That happens a lot. Absolutely. Um, in this case that I know of, uh, it was when I was shooting. So when the video we just watched, there's a party going on. There are a bunch of people on this balcony. This, the The thing, the string of lights was so low that I really couldn't see it on the second story balcony. And I didn't know this guy, Steve Blonder, but I thought, I've been asked to come here to record this or whatever's going to happen. And I'm going to do it. And I threw manners out the window and I jumped up on his balcony rail, which is just <laughs> this cement thing about this wide. And I'm standing there filming like this. And I have a TV pop up TV so everyone can see what I'm doing. And I'm trying to balance like, you know, and film and shoot this as it unfolds. Bill's camera malfunctioned. Bill Hamilton, he's a guy who did underground base research. His camp battery died, and he charged it before we went because we know we were hunting UFOs that night. 
Steve Blonder's battery died. For some reason, he didn't even like, he lived there. He didn't even get in the charger and turn it on. Or there would have been three videos from this location. So possibly they did it. But then if you think the 10 p.m. are flares, how the hell did flares knock out his battery? Yeah, there you go. Um, so I want to know what this uh, person, uh, beautiful spirit, Willis sold out. So you have, a, uh, if you'd like to call in, I'm wondering what they're talking about, what this one person is talking about. But it 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 doesn't matter. You know, I, I have people will uh, write me nasty things and say nasty things. And you know what? Have have a ball um, because I really don't care. I'm happy with what I do. And uh, I, and I and I'm trying to steer a clear course and try to be factual as much as possible. So whatever. Um, have fun. <laughs> um, so the lines are open again. That's 855-472-5483. I was looking for questions when I when I found that. Um, Anyway, uh, there were I think some that's, people that saw the boomerang that felt a peaceful connection with it. So I don't know if that's a thing. Um, I didn't see the boomerang. I saw the 10 p.m. deal. Um, but th- just meeting these people, they, they weren't the same. I mean, I think most of the people had post-traumatic stress disorder, that they were just shocked. I mean, how the hell do you go back to work on Friday when last night you seen an alien ship fly over and today you're packing boxes or whatever the hell your job is. I remember when I got home from work, I was playing. I mean, we were out till midnight and I worked construction. So I had to get up at like 430. I was playing that tape till three o'clock in the morning, rewinding it, going, what the hell just took place? And then I couldn't I would, sleep. I'd be doing, be doing the same thing. And then I went doing- to work next day as tired, going, alien ships last night. It's going to be on the news. And then I get home from work and I think, okay, I gotta I gotta get with Bill and get Bill a copy of the tape, get Steve Blonder, go back to his house where I record it, get him a copy of the tape. And I get home, my answering machine is full. I don't know if people knew what answering machines were, but there were this thing with the <laughs> tape and they record like 12 calls. It was full of TV reporters. And Bill, Bill goes, Tom, we missed it. We missed it. Well, something huge happened last night. And we saw like a small section of it, but there was something amazing calling me. And that's when we found out that it, all hell broke loose that night. I mean, we, we didn't know if this was an alien invasion. We, we definitely felt, the, the investigators, that this was a show of force. This was basically saying, yeah. don't screw with us. I mean, we can turn off your nukes. Look at the size of these ships. They're the size of yeah. your town. Yeah. And, and yeah. if one of those, let's say, you know, people say, those are out of Area 51. And then, again, with the, we never use it. We just fly them around on joyrides. Uh, if that thing crashed, it would have took out Tempe. I mean, it would have took out hundreds and hundreds of homes. And you just don't do that with experimental technology that's new and just cruise over down the Strip in Las Vegas, bring it back the next night, and nobody still record it, then fly down Phoenix. We're due for another one of these. And and next time, it's going to be different because people are going to record it with their phones. The government's more open and UFO woke. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be alive when this happens because it is going to happen. It just happened again in Ireland. And it's just a lottery shot when this thing's going to fly over town with its mile-long buddies. (laughs) Right, right. We uh, We have a couple of phone calls here. Uh, We're going to take the first one. We have Steve uh, from Oregon. Steve, you are live and on the air. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. 
Okay. Um, so my, I have a comment just on your the video that you captured at 10 o'clock of the flares. I just think you're greatly underestimating the value of that video because that video and the videos like it got played on all the local news stations all day the next day. Yes, so it did. It's very clear that or very clear that nothing like that had been happening in the prior months. Nothing even close to that. So it's a pretty clear indicator that that was orchestrated to cover the 8:30 event and to confuse all the reportings about the 8:30 event. And I don't, you know, for the guys running around saying the flare drops happen all the time over the military range, that there's no way flare drops that happen all the time would have made it on local news on all the stations the next day gotten getting played. I mean, that was an orchestrated event to confuse the population about what happened at 8.30. It was pretty clear. I mean, like you said, reports were coming in from Paulden, from you know, clear across the state, there's also reports from Prescott. So I just, I think the video that you have is very important because it documents the government's attempt to obfuscate the whole event. And I, that's just my comment about what you have there. Oh, thanks for calling in. I appreciate your comment. Um, I was totally on board. With that, the deeper I fell into this rabbit hole, the more I realized that they, they were just shooting these flares off anyway, not in a mass thing where they're shooting off nine like that. They, they said that they discharged these at about a, a 7,500 feet. And then we have three mountain or two mountain ranges, the Estrellas and South Mountain, they're about 3,500 feet. So they have to clear that in order to be seen. But here's here's my point. If this was a distraction, how come only a few people saw it? I mean, the the f five videos were shot by basically people who had really nice houses, but the people on the valley floor didn't see what happened at 10 because you can't. Most of those saw the 8.30 event. So if this was a cover-up for 8.30, they failed because most of the people weren't able to see it. And it did get recorded. It, it, what you're saying can't be ruled out at all, uh, not 100%. I just don't believe our government's that good. Uh, Everybody, our government sucks. I mean, I, we saw in horror on 9-11 basically just people toying with this for hours until our government got their crap together. And that was a, a, a shocking new experience for everybody. But for us people in the Phoenix Lights, we're like, here's more government and confidence again. Uh, people can fly anywhere they want. They could fly over Malibu and bomb uh, Caitlyn Jenner's house and, and get away with it. No, you'll know what happened. It's just an illusion that the government has its crap together can, and they're protecting. Can you hear me at all? Can we can you hear, hear you now. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry about that. But the problem with that is, if if it was happening all along, there's no way that would have made it on the local news, on all the local stations. You can go on YouTube right now and find the local news coverage, and you say. Nobody saw that. Everybody around the world has seen that a million times. He meant he meant live. Absolutely. At, he meant contemporary contemporary to the moment that only the people that were in higher elevations were able to see it. So what I'm getting at, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but what I'm what he was saying there is that um, if they were going to cover up cover ups or try to cover up 
they would they would go down to the lower elevations where people did see, you know, the boomerang and not way up above where only a few houses uh, that are in the higher elevations will see this. If, right. Well, if they, if they launch it up higher. Hang on. I, I'm sorry. I had to mute you, uh, uh, Steve. Go ahead. I mean, I'm yeah, Steve, I had to mute you. Go ahead, Tom, quickly. Uh, if they launched that 10,000 feet up higher, it would have been seen by everybody. Okay. Uh, but 7,500 feet was barely – and the context, I think, of what he's saying is millions of people have seen the aftermath of this. And, yeah, it was on yes. the local news the next day. But in the context of living through that in real time, the government denied all responsibility for the 10 p.m. right after that. They didn't just step up and go, yep, those were our flares, man, that's all there is to it. It took three months uh, until Eileen Benz dug deep. She was, uh, I believe uh, – Air Force officer here, and she found my stray cat I went missing. It was a weird world. Um, she dug in, and I think it was 90 days later, all of a sudden the military reversed and said, okay, we're taking credit for the 10 p.m. We don't know what happened at 8.30. So obfuscate, yeah, but they didn't come forward. If this was a cover-up, how come nobody came forward and said, yeah, those are flares immediately? They gave off so many stories. I called Luke Air Force Base, and they said that uh, one night they said, we think that was a, an ultralight pilot that was flying Christmas lights behind it. And then I called the next night, and I talked to a different person, and I said, what do you think about the theory that this was an ultralight with Christmas lights? And they said, that's preposterous. They said, well, your coworker told me that last night. You guys really need to get your act together. They're dealing with the military uh, and their spokespeople from Luke, all over it was it was a mess i mean they, they put out no consistent messaging if they were going to cover up they would have this is our point we're driving that talking point home they had nothing they were all over the map they didn't know what i think that they were just basically calling their pants down this night oh. yeah all right steve well hey thank you Hi. for the call we have someone else holding thank you steve thank you now all right, we have Rob calling from Florida. Rob, you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. Martin, good evening to you. And uh, I, I was the one that sent you that uh, email the other day uh, about my theory about uh, why cars stall, you know, when they yes. the UFOs. Um, yeah, I was um, I was out. I was off the grid for a while. I'm not even sure. I remember yeah. seeing the email, but I don't even remember if I responded to you. If I didn't, eventually I'll try to. No, you, you did. It, it was, uh, okay. I'm, I'm on the road and uh, I'll get back with you. I totally understand. Uh, we're just pulled into Baton Rouge on our way to Roswell. We're going to be a week in Roswell, a week in Tucson, two weeks in Phoenix and two weeks in Albuquerque. And I hope to do some research at the David Marlar facility when I'm out there, but great oh, show cool. tonight. This, you know, Phoenix lights is such a damn good case because yeah, you got the videos, which are looked when I saw it looked like flares, you know, slowly filtering down, but it's the veracity of the witnesses of the large, you know, uh, boomerang shape. And my question is, do you think this translucent effect of these objects, is this the light being bent around these things by some kind of an anti-gravity effect, or is it an act of camouflage, which I don't think is the act of camouflage, because why would you burn big old lights? if you're trying to hide behind active camouflage. But what are your thoughts about that as far as the translucence of this object? Good question. I think that is just their technology to decide who is going to see it and from what angle. I mean, 
can they make it a hundred percent camouflage or they can like camouflage it from a certain degree so people over here can see it there are people that would see one event and they wouldn't see another one like me i should have saw more than one event at 10 o'clock and i just saw what i saw but we don't really know i mean it, it, we can't ever really understand this technology if it was not never built on this planet to begin with or around here is this thing seems to be maybe a, at least a couple of hundred years more advanced than anything we have this boomerang is like a flying aircraft carrier that has those lights that undock that it can shoot around uh f f-15s intercepted it scared the hell out of them they couldn't even scan it they couldn't you know get a radar lock on it they probably have flare footage of it because i don't think you can jam a flare pod thank god so there must be a collection within the intelligence agency of just what this is oh don't you know the amount of sensors they have. I mean, you, you can only imagine the data they actually have, which is why I think they're so quiet about it because it's just an enormous amount of data. And they've been silent so long, it'd be hard to just open the door and say, okay, here it is, boys, you know. I, yeah, yeah, I think we have everything we need, but it's locked up in the government um, and it's classified. Yeah, the, the truth is classified. What, what, what I'd like to see is people like Avi, uh, Loeb and the Galileo Project get security clearances for like him and Kevin Newth and some of these scientists and do background checks, security clearances, and then say, now you can go look at the sensor data. You can look at the radar stuff. You can look at the Air Force is hiding a ton of stuff like this. Uh, yeah, but they'd probably, they'd probably make them sign an NDA that they couldn't, you know, if it's Talk. classified, of course, they wouldn't let them expose any of it, you know. But it would be nice. It certainly would be nice. You know, I mean, one of the things... Of course, I'll ask Kalu um, Elizondo next week is, uh, you know, uh, if you could talk about everything, you know, that's classified, would that change the world? You know that. And, you know, I, I, I know you can ask questions like that, but uh, I don't know what he's going to answer or not answer. Hey, Rob, that was a great question. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Rob. Oh, my uh, pleasure. Always enjoy it. Thank you. All right. Martin, I think we're at the point where we need basically just another Snowden guy just to say, you know what, I'm going to throw it all away. Put me in jail. This is what happened. Here's the tapes. Here's the data. Uh, I put it out there on so many, you know, all over the internet. It's out there now. Uh, lock me up. I mean, cause if I, that's why I'd never get into one of these government jobs because I would be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. trusts me with that information. Right. Uh, someone asked uh, Marcus, what, did any I I know that this is a mass sighting, so I doubt this would happen because so many people saw it. But there was the separate sightings of separate objects. Um, did anyone report any missing time? There's a report on the National UFO Reporting Center of a person in Tucson that encountered a creature in his house at night. I don't know if it's related to the sighting or not. It just happened on the same date. Uh, there's also um, a mystery of four hikers that disappeared that are presumed dead. Uh, I don't know if that's real. I, I looked into that a bit. Um, apparently, there were four people hiking by the Estrella Mountains, and that's where my video would have been or in that neighborhood. And they're saying they just disappeared and were kidnapped, abducted. But, I don't know. But you were never able to document that. Uh, no, I, I looked at I looked at, that was when I was in my Obi Wan years, where I was wandering the desert for twelve years, hiding, and then 
I read I, I wasn't in ufology at that point, but I was keeping yeah. tabs on it and then watching some stuff. Yeah. That's why you and won't that, see me in Out of the Blue or the other James Fox one, because I, I just at that point I was just walked away. Yeah. I the had. person I was mentioning before, that's Chris Pittman from Massachusetts. He um he does great work and, and has and he had to he had to walk away from it for a while. Well, if there's a video I'd like to share showing here's why I can't. Yeah, absolutely. There. Yeah, um, sure. Okay. Yeah, we, we cool. still got we still have about nine minutes left right now. All right. So this, this is probably a two minute long video. Yeah. This is uh right. this is what I do now. Um I have four K cameras surrounding my house. I have most of Chandler and some of Tempe under twenty four hour surveillance. So if the boomerang lingers back, you know, I hear about it, I'll have it saved on the DVR. Uh right now I'm recording uh UFOs from time to time that are flying over Phoenix. Um sometimes they're fast, sometimes they're slow. Uh I'm gonna show you a couple of tic tacs here. Whoa. Okay, bring on the Tic Tacs. On this episode of 4K Skywatching, the surveillance system picked up two Tic Tac-type objects up at 15,000 feet, so let's get right to it. My system picked up this white object uh, just under the clouds, going between two to 300 miles per hour. It's heading against the wind, and at first I thought maybe this is a plane because it looks like something similar to that, but there's no wings, there's nothing. Um, the footage is not quite in focus. I can't get this uh, surveillance camera to focus to infinity, so it kind of pulses in and out. I go into a wide angle to uh, try and find it, and a small plane flies over. You can see whatever this is, it's way the heck up there. I mean, you could not even see this from the ground with the naked eye. These Tic Tacs are up there so high that you can't see them uh, from the ground without binoculars. So this object is cruising at a pretty good, uh, consistent pace uh, going from the left to the right. This is when the second object comes into play. Um, keep your eyes in the bottom part of the screen. Another one just like this is going to come up, and it's going to be moving uh, same speed. Hopefully, from people can see this. different direction. It's entered the scene now. It's moving up. At this point, I decided to switch from the forty-inch TV to the fifty-five-inch, so I can monitor this more carefully. When this happened, uh, I didn't even know there were two UAPs at this point. I didn't know that until I played the footage back and found out. I got confused, so I end up losing the one that's going to the right, and I'm focusing on. This one that's moving up. Now, keep watching. This thing's going to stop. So what happens is I, I stumbled upon it's two tic It's going to be about the bottom of your screen. And one of them hover, comes to a stop, hovers, it. and then it's goes back to where moving it came up. from. I prefer you watch this in 4K. It's really uh, hard set to get not these on your things phone. to stop or to get one that stops and then takes off. Repositioning the camera. Right now, I'm not going to touch the camera controls. I'm going to leave it so all the object movement you see is is from the object. So the camera's locked down and not moving. So the object was moving up. It came to a complete stop. Now it's just kind of hovering around and it's starting to drop down. So the- you know, I'm not I'm not seeing this, but I have a very small screen. If uh, if someone has a big can expand this on the on their in the YouTube or Facebook. Yeah, the video's about done. This is pretty much when I lose track of it. Now, if these were balloons, 
balloons don't ditch me like these things do. Balloons usually just slowly move the same direction. I tape them for 10 to 20 minutes and get bored with them. I couldn't find this thing. It lost me. I go into a wide angle, and you'll see this thing so high up, you couldn't even see this from the ground. UAPs are back. They're up there to be found. But you're going to need assistance oh, and persistence to watch Is that a plane right there? Them. Yeah, that was a plane that So what do you think? Leave your uh, comment. Yeah. So so I have uh, – well, we may have someone else. Let me just take a look. Oh, yeah. No, we have uh, we have about five minutes left. So why do you think – here's – I'll end with this question. And, you know, I'm sorry, I couldn't see much in that particular video. Yeah, you'll need a big TV for that one. Yeah. But I, I want to end with this question. And why do you suppose um, they want to be seen or not want to be seen? I mean, they, obviously, uh, you know, people have written me, well, obviously, they want to be seen. They have lights. They don't need lights if they're going to travel from wherever they are to get here. Um, so obviously, they want to be seen. So it's kind of like a. You know, I'm asking for your opinion on this. There's a few things in play here. Um, some people, most people see these just out of dumb luck. They they just have, there are so many people that see UAPs because they're walking their dog. It's, it's so many people yeah. seeing Phoenix lights because they're, it's nice here. They go outside to walk their dog. Or they're smoking. Yeah, or they're smoking. They got to go outside. Um, and yeah. then you got fanatics like me that I got, you know, a good chunk of, of investment into this. I have yeah. these th cameras all over my house. I'm looking and I'm looking hard and I'm looking harder than other people. That's probably why I get to see more UAPs and I just get small slices and chunks of this and that. And then I think some of us were chosen to do this. This is why we're here. Hmm. We're, we're on a mission. So, you know, this thing that Marjorie just put out there, just observing like us studying animals here. Uh, you know, I don't doubt that in a way, you know, perhaps they're trying, you know, if that's that is uh, the comment that a lot of people uh, claim they either have, you know, through telepathy or whatever. You know, I mean, people are saying that it's observation, you know, maybe maybe that's what it is. And maybe uh, if they're above us, maybe they're. I don't know. I'm just speculating too. I think I really what I threw out, maybe they're just going to work. We're just <laughs> seeing them go from point A to B. There, there's a couple patterns I see with the white UAP tic-tac type things. They're either moving really slow, like 35 miles an hour, and they're blending in, or they're moving a couple hundred miles an hour going from point A to point B. We don't know where point A came from, and we don't know where point B is. Why are they yeah. moving around? Why are we getting to see them? It's like they slip in and slip out of our reality. And yeah. you got to move real fast and to, to get them on tape. You got to you got to hustle. It's not easy and, and to it, do what I'm doing. I don't believe that uh, you know the the theories of uh, maybe a interdimensional type of thing should be off the table either. I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be part of it. If not, you know, I'm not saying it's all of it, but it certainly could be. Part of it, especially when something is going in and out of what many people have seen, objects, you know, going in and out of our reality, more or less. Would you believe in destiny or choice? Destiny or choice? Do you, do you I, think I guess that I'm a like, destiny. I'm a destiny type guy. <laughs> like you were destined to do this. This, no matter what, this was going. Like no matter what happened to me, I was going to end up being somehow involved in the Phoenix Lights. Well, or, I think, uh, yeah, 
I, I think you're right. I mean, I feel as though something really great in my life has happened because I was sitting outside in a hot tub back in 2007 and saw something fly over me. And here I am now, and my life is pretty darn good. And uh, with some things that have happened um, and meeting a, a certain person and all that, um, you know, I have no regrets at all. It's been wonderful. So thank you so much. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you tonight, Tom. I'm so thank glad you, you called me. in back there. Um, and we and I first got the initial uh, call from you and was able to talk. Um, That's on thank Dave you. Altman. That's right, Dave Altman. Dave That's who it was. Altman. Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, thanks for stepping your toe back into this and, as you call it, going down the rabbit hole, whatever it is. Thanks yeah, for Yeah, I'm doing just that. swimming in ufology along with the rest of you now, trying to figure out a piece by piece. We're all going to try and push this ball down the field as far as we can. But, man, Lewis pushed him and Chris Millen have pushed this bar farther, ball farther than anybody. So I'm yeah. very appreciative of, of those two. Right. All right. You take care. Thanks. All right. Talk soon. All right, everyone. So don't forget, next week we have uh, Gary Nolan, Lou Elizondo, and Sean Cahill. It's going to be a great show. And please send me your questions for that. And thanks so much for watching tonight. And remember, everyone, to keep your eyes to the sky. <laughs>